0: Hello and welcome to Barber Presents A Band, a podcast where we interview the best talent making noise in the music scene at the moment, to find out a little bit more about them and their influences. This episode, we speak to our experimental post-punk band, Zup. Here's how it went. Hey! Hello! Hey, you are Alright. <laughs> That's such a cool background, man.
1: <laughs> i in forever. I've got a few other backgrounds as well, I think, but that's one that I like the best. How are you?
0: I'm good. How are you doing?
1: Not bad, but today's been mad, actually, because um, the single went live today. I was going to go into town, and she was like, no, don't go into town, because you've got to upload this and upload that, and all these people kept uh, writing in and doing articles and stuff. So I've been in the house doing that all day. It's like...
0: This is your new single cut you open, right?
1: Yeah, this is a new single and the new video. During lockdown, I actually bought a big telly because obviously there was no gigs and no pubs. So I just thought, right, I'm gonna watch finally watch Netflix on a big telly because I, I was only watching stuff on my laptop. And so I've been able to watch the video on this big telly now I was
0: thinking along
1: and wanting to be a bit and it drives me crazy, baby You let that match she got my blood to bumper. Then you left me I want to cut you over and steal your black heart Black heart, baby So who you released it with? Like? Uh, just on my own record label, um, Cherry Vitriol And that's had the last three albums on it Right And I just... I think over the years what's happened is I think that the band as it is now started in around 2007 or 8 after going to an ATP, Um, Grindman and sitting outside just having drinks with someone mashed on on a hill outside somewhere and they were going, uh, because my last band in London had split up and everybody had gone their different ways and stuff and I really wanted to keep doing music. And someone just said, you know, if you buy an Apple Mac, you can actually plug a mic, a mic into it and a guitar into it. And I was like, fuck off, get out of here, don't be stupid. <laughs> and I was like, no, seriously, you can. It's like, you fucking want. And that's how it started. I saved up, got a Mac, and then just started recording on my own. And then it's just been different people coming in, in and out of the band. And it was only, I guess, when I moved back to Manchester right in 2015 yeah. that I just started doing it on my own more. Right before I started write, writing this one, I did have a drummer in for a little bit, but that all went horribly pear-shaped and, and wrong.
0: Right.
1: And after that I was like, right, I'm just going to figure out how to do all of this on my own. And I got that. That's, uh, I had the drum pedal before, but it didn't, I didn't fathom that I could do it all on my own until I got the vocal effects pedal. And then somehow the pedal board grew and I had effects on my bass and effects on my vocals and the drums. And last summer, yeah, would have been, I think it was 18th or 19th of June or something like that. I did the first gig with a new setup at the Pear Hat and it was just like, right, so it works. I can do it on my own now.
0: Yeah, so we've already touched on how Zoop began. Is that how you pronounce yep. it? Definitely. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: So it's spelled <laughs> yeah. X-U-P. It's
1: spelled X-U-P, yeah. And yes. it's spelled X-U-P because uh, the day that I was trying to figure out what to call the band, I, I had a, a book lying on my bed, uh, which is my favourite book, uh, which is uh, The Little Prince. And the author of that book is called Antoine de zupri it, it wasn't, there was no, you know, big, you know, <laughs> decision of what, you know, what does this mean and what am I going to call the band? It was literally, I don't know what to call the band. Oh, the Strap Ons were the first band I was ever in and I could barely play. I was literally, literally one note on one string. Um, sometimes, you know, venturing down to the A string as well, but usually the E string. So that lasted, I think, for three years. And towards the end of that, um, that's when I met, um, I think I met Sam first, actually. We weren't called the Nine Black Alps originally. We were called the Chelsea Girls. Most of the songs were Sam's. So Sam brought in a load of ideas and writing and most of them were his. And I did uh, the bass line for one, which I guess then turned out being Nilana's song by the time they were the Nine Black Alps. But I'd already left uh, the band by then because I decided that I wanted to move to London. And then about a month in, when I was in London, they got really fucking massive and I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. But, <laughs> um, but really, really nice guys, actually. Um, Nine Black Alps and Strap Ons as well. So I'm still in
0: touch. what was the music like for the Strap Ons then?
1: It was, we wanted to sound like Mudhoney and Nirvana, um, but it ended up sounding like the Ramones. My role was just to play on time and really fucking fast on one
0: note, on one string. If we could play a song, which one would you want us to play by the Strap Ons? From the Strap
1: Ons? um, Well, the Strap Ons never had, no, we did, we released one album on our own uh, label, and it exists actually on Bandcamp because I, I put all the songs up there and there's a song called On Your Knees. That's probably my favorite one. Actually. another fun fact about the Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so the artwork and the colour scheme is a nod to the first album, which is basically pink and white and black. And I think, I don't know if it was because of lockdown with people getting uh, on a bit of a nostalgia trip during lockdown, but I seem to have been through this album and when we go through the facts, a lot of it was looking back and bringing in other bits and pieces. And so the colour scheme was one of them. Um, and equally for, for the video that I've just uh, released I used loads of old sketchbooks from art school um, and also there's some images of an x-ray of my broken elbow which is also what's on the cover for my third album so it was all kind of looking back at different things and feeding little easter eggs from all the other albums in there and we'll, we'll see more of that as I, as I go through the fun facts.
0: So let's talk about your first release as up yeah. which was asteroids right asteroid, in two thousand and nine. Yeah. It was literally recorded in my bedroom
1: as much most, most of my albums are actually recorded at home, but that one I literally was learning garage band. I never used it before so um it's really lo-fi it's really stripped down. So that was the first album and that's also that album is a nod to to the little prince who lives on asteroid B612. So a lot of the themes about that are on there. And then there's also one song in Spanish on there as well, which is like to do with my childhood, but yeah. I don't tend to be one of these people that writes about um, social politics or anything like that. I I just wouldn't have enough to say about it. And so the only thing I I write about is things that I am going through. And usually that tends to be relationships more often than not. The one that I like from Asteroids Is called No Bones, and there's a video for that as well. And that the whole thing was this is the first album, this is the first time I've written anything, and it was a big, massive experiment. writing is stuff that I'm listening to when I'm on the tram and um, so it, it'll just be stuff that's on my Spotify. Uh one of the things I kept listening to was uh Mass Adoption which is a St. Vincent uh album and it's amazing. Also Prince When You Were Mine, I kept listening to that song there's a lot of pop actually, which actually then did end up translating a lot quite uh, quite a lot on the new
0: album I think. Your drum beats sound mm. poppy. you know what I mean? Like they, they are hooky. Yeah. They're hooky beats.
1: There's 80s pop beats on there, but there's also some grunge drums on there as well.
0: Give me one influence then, to start with. What what would you go for? So
1: one influence, uh, St Vincent, uh, mass seduction. Really sleek, really stripped down, edgy, sharp, and also she looks fucking amazing, particularly when she's on stage and she's carrying her guitars. Not, you know, again, I don't like guitarists that put too much crap all over the songs. And with her, particularly on this album, it was what was necessary and it sounded amazing. Just really clean.
0: Great. Another fun fact. Yeah, let's go. Fun fact. <laughs> I like this. I'm really liking this.
1: <laughs> I was having nightmares about wolves. I don't know why. And so somehow to to stop the nightmares, I actually went to a, a wolf sanctuary in Berkshire and I met a pack of wolves. The second album ended up being really influenced by that, and the visuals particularly really influenced by that. And so feed the wolf inside again went back to some of that artwork and in the title as well. But I mean. Uh, And also actually on the A side, and this is is I've not discussed the artwork for the album until now, so actually on the A side, the A side is going to be called Predator, and there's a picture of a wolf, and the B side is going to be called Prey, and there's a picture of a mouse on it. Was it John Lydon, I think, that said anger is an energy? But it is an energy, and as as long as you're not being destructive within hurting others, I think as a songwriter, sometimes it's quite interesting to tap into that. I think the other part of it was, exploring uh, not to get too negative on, on the interview but exploring um trauma cptsd which is complex post-traumatic stress disorder and themes around codependence and that's when the whole predator and prey aspects come into it it was a joy to write it and it was a joy to rehearse it in the practice room so for the most part I was actually quite a happy bunny when I was writing it. But yeah. that's, that's like the deep, dark
0: side of it, I suppose. You've been heavily involved in the peer Hat fundraising kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I know yeah. Atma's kind you of worked. Yeah, 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 you've got the peer Hat t-shirt on. <laughs> I'm still yet to receive mine, actually. So. Oh, you need, to, you
1: need to get in there quick before they all go,
0: yeah. And you were saying how you feel like the place is special and stuff like that, and including Atma as well. What is it that do you, do you think that's so special about these places?
1: Some buildings just have an energy about them. And that became really clear um, with the peer Hat. The practice rooms were there before and they were always cool. But once the peer Hat opened, it just kind of gelled everything together. And it meant that, particularly for me, because I was obviously rehearsing on my own upstairs, I could take take breaks and I could go downstairs and just rant and vent and de-stress and also meet loads of people, meet people in other bands, meet people that were just drinking there and it just gelled everything and and just made this hub um which then meant that everybody was having parties upstairs as well and it it just the whole building is amazing and I think we can't We can't let it sink and we can't let it go. We have to make sure it stays open. Time for another fun fact. I
0: think it's time for another fun fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that.
1: (laughs) Right. This play louder includes a lyric which references my fourth album, Broken Doll. And that lyric is something like, I bet I won't remember it now. It's something like, oh, and my broken doll still clings to you. Or something like that. Something pretentious and ridiculous like that. I think at the beginning of lockdown, we had this freak weather for about, four weeks, so it was just amazing. We've never had like weather like that in Manchester and it. I think it just reminded people of summers and, and being younger and things that they've done in the past and people they've hung out with in the past. So I think there was definitely a nostalgic element that probably came in towards the end because of lockdown and that's probably why it's ending up like that. The skeletons of the songs were all pretty much done two summers ago and it straight away instantly reminds me of uh, two summers ago at the pier hat, and sometimes staying up all night in the practice room either on my own or with different people and leaving at eight in the morning when the sun's shining and just being <laughs> really and horrible once I made an album I tend not to listen to it for ages um so actually today I was quite surprised because I stuck the video on for the new song and I was like oh yeah I'm digging this you know feel <laughs> yeah. Oh my, yeah I'm digging this um so that's rare Um and actually on this one most of the songs i'm quite happy listening to there's a, probably a couple that won't see the light of day live just because right. they're harder to play i've learned to become more detached from the songs than i used to be i used to be really kind of connected to them personally and i think as i've gone on with writing i've learned to kind of not feel as attached to them once they're released
0: Then so, um, affected that affected that record. I
1: joined the, the practice room where I am now with my old band, and my old band ended up moving out. But the bands that were in the practice room, um, Boneshake was obviously the, the main band that's in there, um, and I wasn't expecting to like them at all because they're a, a blues band. People get oh, uh, when I asked people, I hadn't seen them live, and people were going, What are they like, they're like, Oh, they're a blues band. And I was like, Well, I don't particularly like watching blues bands. And then I saw them live and I was like, what the fuck? They're amazing. <laughs> and so I think I was listening to, because I was going to a lot of their gigs, so I was listening to a lot of their stuff. I was also listening to a lot of Nick Cave. Um, so Boatman's Call and Abattoir Blues. If you're asking me to choose a bone shake song, they're going to be really pissed off with me because they obviously... Uh, like the latest stuff they've done, but I really, really, really like the first Bone Shake album, which is Kicks, Be My Girl. so <laughs> songs i tend to just mess about and have a play with other songs i kept playing closer which is a nine inch nails song but i like it because courtney's done a really good version of it which she's done live actually, but not she's not released it closer is just the goal of trent Reznor to write that song and get away with it um i think it would sound better if if courtney was the original vocalist and she's actually said herself this you know this is the best song i never wrote again that's quite a dark energetic uh, song that's got a um, kind of a weird vibe and spirit about yeah, it but also it's a good fucking hot, hot song
0: Help me. I broke apart
1: by Sonic Youth, I can't sing, but um, I, it's I like how stripped down and kind of sedate it is. When I was at art school, I was gonna, uh, I had my final year, which is uh, where I did my final collection. It was a fashion degree, and I was gonna play that song, and I was told that I couldn't use that song in my fashion show because it didn't fit in with all the other songs that all the other girls were playing and guys, mm-hmm. it wasn't just girls. And so I quit the fashion show because I wasn't, I wasn't gonna have the models walking down the catwalk with my clothes on, if it wasn't a little trouble girl. So, that Youth could cost me my fashion degree.
0: You mentioned like the kind of kind of prim, primal kind of feel about the Nine Inch Nails tune, mm-hmm. you, sound, you seem to have like a lot of that kind of feeling in your own music, talking about yeah. animals and talking about instincts and talking about...
1: Exactly, particularly yeah. this album as well, so that there's that tapping into that energy which is a really raw energy. And it's just stripping everything back to basics again and and dealing with the more animalistic part of human nature, I suppose, which a lot of the time people try and suppress and see it as something negative and it doesn't always need to be. And and there's this energy, there's this thing called, in Spanish it's called duende, and you get it in um, flamenco. A lot of flamenco musicians talk about this and it's almost like this dark spirit that channels through musicians. And that's, I think that's when you get good art and good music and a lot of the bands you watch and I think, no, they don't have that. They don't have that. But every now and again, you'll, you you watch a band and you think they definitely fucking have that.
0: Do you, do you listen to Fulnanko music at all? Mm.
1: I think when I was younger, I had it subconsciously always playing in the background. So you can't get away from it from living in Gibraltar. So you go out and it's playing in bars. It's on the street. It's on TV. And you never I, I certainly wasn't listening to it consciously or. I was just aware that it was there so, and it, I think somehow that has seeped in um, subconsciously perhaps without me actually sitting down and
0: purposely listening to a lot of it. We've got a new album coming and I'm excited to hear it.
1: Yeah, me too, <laughs> um, no, I, I'm excited to hear it finally released.
0: Why do you think you like to tap into this like primal thing?
1: When I was growing up, I was very, very sheltered and very reserved and very, very shy. And so this isn't a side that I've always explored when I've been younger. Uh, And I almost feel like it's been robbed from me a little bit in in my youth. For the first 18 years of my life, I lived in Gibraltar, and I spoke English and Spanish. And ultimately, it's just a really little town. And I think I felt like I wanted... From quite a young age to break free from that small town mentality which is I'm sure lots of people growing up in towns in the UK felt that way as well about their own towns and yeah I wasn't particularly conscious of how uh, different it was until I moved away and then came to the UK and uh, but actually I'm glad that to begin with I landed in Manchester because everybody was saying you will hate it it rains all the time blah 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 but actually Straight away, the people were so friendly and welcoming and warm and lovely that I, I felt more at home probably in Manchester than I ever felt anywhere, to be honest. Okay. In the most part, it was very boring and very safe and very sheltered. It was quite isolating and insular, but everybody knew each other, which I didn't particularly like. You, you know, you can't move without, like... So if you're a teenager particularly, you're really conscious that if you're smoking on the street, you, your mum's going to see you and you can't yeah. avoid your mum. Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> if you're walking yeah, yeah. around,
1: then you're going to get told off. And Manchester's got that nice edge and that nice balance that you can still, you know, particularly with the pair Hat, I never had to make any plans when the pair Hat was open. I never used to have to ring people because I just knew that if you go in the pair Hat, you're going to see the people that you need to see. They're, they're always
0: going to be there. You don't need to make plans. Well, do you feel or do you think you felt Spanish or British or English or what, Yeah, That's Gibraltar. a weird one. Because, yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I think most people I grew up with would say that they're Gibraltarian first and foremost. But I do really feel I'm a part of Manchester. I do really feel really attached to Manchester and I really missed it as a city and I missed the people and I missed my friends all the time I was in London.
0: Do you think you'll invite other musicians to join you and the Mustang or do you think you'll... The
1: the longer I write on my own and particularly now that um, I've been playing gigs on my own, the harder that becomes because it's really difficult for other musicians to now come in to what I've created. But I'd never say never, um, and I would love, again, to play with a drummer, whether that's in Zot or in another project, I don't know. I'd be quite happy to have another side project, actually, with other people.
0: Do you want to pick, like, a final track?
1: So I'll give you a brand-new track then. So, um, obviously, the, the single is cut you open, um, but I'm going to give you a song called Disconnect, which is actually the first song on the album, and it's a completely different vibe. It's quite dancey, actually, so it'll come a bit of a surprise maybe. I think it's probably sounds nothing like what's on the other albums um I think with that one I was really listening to lots of Vincent's at the time and the original thoughts for this album was that it was going to be originally I wanted to have all hip-hop drums on it and dance drums on it and 80s like pop drums on it and I wasn't going to have any overdrive pedal on the bass or anything like that and it's crept back in slowly but um with that song it's really stripped down even the bass is really stripped down on it and it, that song is very much the sound that I was hoping that the whole album was going to sound like to begin with which is just a pop album now when there's nothing left to say me and the Mustang, walk
0: away, bye bye You'd like to watch me Oh my god. Oh My nine to five,
1: yeah. Get home, go out, watch films, and get on with my life. It's actually yeah. an inconvenience. would yeah, yeah. be a lot easier if I didn't make music, but I can't imagine not picking up my my bass guitar. For, you know, more than a week or something. Like, I can't imagine. I can't remember what my life was like before I started making music. It doesn't. Thinking about.
0: Do you want to give us one more influence?
1: I'm going to go with The Darker Days of Me and Him, which is a song by PJ Harvey. There's artists and albums that I'll revisit again and again, and this is one of them, and this song in particular, certainly with the first few albums. It's only recently that she started writing, I guess, about more political aspects and the state of the world and that kind of thing. And actually, those are my least favourite albums of, of Polly's. The albums that I really like is uh, the albums where she's writing about herself and about relationships and about Nick Cave sometimes, although I don't think this song's about Nick Cave, I think this song's about somebody else. Sounds like it's about all of my ex-boyfriends actually, (laughs) but it sounds like a song I should have written and would have written. where i listened to her quite a lot when i was younger and then didn't listen to her at all for years and it wasn't until i'd done my second album and somebody said oh yeah it sounds like pj harvey and i thought oh that's just lazy journalism you know it's just like pick a female musician oh it's pj harvey again it's not something i've consciously set out to do but certainly some of the songs seem to come from a similar place
0: like the music we have in manchester like there's there's so many great bands there really is And And it it really felt just before lockdown, there was a proper scene, really buzzing again. Is there anyone, uh, any bands that you want to kind of give a shout out to? I definitely
1: want to give a shout out to the Battery Farm. They're in it for the right reasons. They're really fucking well-read guys as well. And they write from the right place and they're really involved in their music and they really believe in their music. Definitely the Wyndham Earls that we've mentioned. They're probably my two favourite bands in Manchester at the
0: moment. Well, hopefully we'll, I'll see you soon.
1: Yes, In a yes, beer hat, having
0: a, having a drink. But yeah, <laughs> thanks Thanks again.
1: No worries, thank
0: you. Yeah. Goodbye yeah. from rai right <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. A big thank to Zup for chatting with us. Make sure you check out their latest single, Cut You Open, and keep a lookout for the release of their new album. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll be back soon with more bands than eyes. If you want to listen to the tracks played in this podcast, they're listed below. We also have put together a playlist with all the music from the podcast on Spotify. So if you want to hear the music in full, follow the playlist Barber Presents a Band on Spotify. See you soon.